0: morning, Parkway Church. Glad you guys are with us this morning. Um, we haven't met before. My name is Russell McCarson. I'm a student pastor here at Parkway Church, filling in for Mike. Uh, if it's of your first times here or you are, uh, you've been out for a little while, we are in the middle of this series, uh, The God I Wish You Knew. And what we're looking at in this series is what uh, does God truly say about himself? Not what do we think God is like, not what do others say God is like, not what culture says God is like. What does God in His own Scripture actually say about Himself? And we look primarily to the, uh, the major prophets in the Old Testament. Today it will be in the book of Daniel. If you want to go ahead and uh, turn ahead in your phones, paper Bibles, whatever your preference is, Daniel's will be at today. And today we're looking at the fact that God is faithful. God is so, so faithful. And for many of us, we, we say that. As I just said that, you went like, I agree, absolutely, God is faithful. All right, we're done here. Uh, But it's more than just that, though, because the reality is we can say God is faithful when we truly believe it. But today I want to go a little bit deeper than just saying God is faithful. I want to ask the difficult question, do we believe God is faithful so much that it shows up in our day-to-day decisions and actions? Because that's where truly belief Starts mattering. Do you believe so much that it shapes the way that you live out your day-to-day life? And really the third level is this. Do you believe that God is faithful in such a way that it shapes your actions regardless of the situation? Because it's one thing to say God is faithful and act that way, but when things are going a little bit rough, to say the least, that's when it's difficult to truly act that way. And the book of Daniel shows this so, so well. Give a little bit of background information We said it's difficult sometimes to act as if God is faithful in difficult situations. Well, the nation of Israel in the book of Daniel was in such a situation. Um, As we've been talking about, the nation of Israel had been rebelling against God for generation after generation after generation. And finally, he sent the nation of Babylon to take over. Judah, like Jerusalem, and take the nation of Israel out of their homeland, and they're in slavery for upwards of about two generations. And he was humbling them. Now, what we see here is that God was faithful even in this time, especially in the book of Daniel. If you've read it very much, you uh, you've heard kind of the Bible stories as a kid, we see numerous Bible stories that show God is faithful in the book of Daniel. We see Daniel's friends. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were who were literally thrown into a fiery furnace. It was like superheated, and they were thrown in there because they remained faithful to God when they were told to not to be faithful to God. They remained faithful to Him, and how did God respond in that fiery furnace? When they looked into the fiery furnace, they saw not three men but four, because God was with them. God was faithful to those three men that moment. You jump forward to Daniel chapter 6 and you see the famous story of Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel was a a faithful man. He was a righteous man who really obeyed God regardless of the situation. And when they made a massive um, statue in the, the king of Babylon's likeness so that people would bow down and worship the king, Daniel refused. And his punishment was being thrown in to this lion's den. And the entire time he was not touched because God is faithful. Now, many of those stories we may know, but I want to actually look at a little bit of a different um, view of God's faithful in Daniel chapter 4. Probably a text many of us aren't as familiar with, but here's what I want us to see is that God is faithful in all of Scripture. I want you to see why, the base reason why we say God is faithful faithful in Daniel chapter 4. Now Daniel had been called in to um, interpret visions for the, the emperor at that time as he had been asked to numerous times before as a gift of his given him by God similar to King David. And he was interpreting a dream for King Nebuchadnezzar at the time that wasn't exactly good news. Daniel chapter 4 verse 24 it says this, this is the interpretation your majesty and this is the decree the most high has issued against my Lord, the King. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Basically, he was saying, look, you are going to quite literally go insane you're going to live amongst the wild animals you're going to go from being the king of the greatest empire in the world of that time to living like someone who is quite mad verse 26 the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when and only when you acknowledge that uh, that heaven rules therefore your majesty be pleased to accept my advice renounce your sin By doing what is right, and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your property will your prosperity will continue. Basically in short, unless King Nebuchadnezzar, unless you repent of your sin and humble yourself before God wasn't exactly his tendency at the time, God is going to take away your sanity and your entire kingdom. It will no longer be yours, and until you finally repent, not a single bit of it will be given back to you. Now, here's what I want you to think of. How does this have anything to do with faithfulness? Well, think about this. Throughout your life, who have been the people in your life that have truly been faithful? Not just relationships, but more so even in friendships, family members. Who have been faithful over time? You have that person or those people in the back of your mind. What made them faithful? What was the attribute about them that made them faithful? At the baseline, I believe this, faithfulness comes down to making promises and keeping promises. Being a promise maker and a promise keeper. And I want you to see, is in Daniel chapter 4, God makes a promise. And there's something unique about God's promises. He keeps them all the time. I want you to that. Port Lavaca, Lone Tree, of Victoria, God keeps his promises. He's a promise maker and a promise keeper 100% of the time. And we say, well, that's great. I am too. Not the same way, all right? Uh, we say, I promise. It doesn't always have the same impact, right? We don't always keep our promises. And in fact, sometimes we kind of throw around uh, the word I promise and give you an example. Um, Victoria, Port Lavaco, Lone Tree. How many of you guys, by show of hands, you're going to take your kids trigger treating this year? How many of you guys are taking your kids trigger treating this year, okay? So the next day rolls around, right? And your kids come up to you, Mom, Dad, half my candy's gone. <laughs> what happened to it? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I have no idea. Did you eat it all? No. Dad, I think you ate it. You promised me you would not eat my candy this year, all right? <laughs> How many people, Victoria, Port Vallarta, Lone Tree, you, you just lied to them right then. They're like, I ate it all. I got some cavities to pay for it now. I don't care. It was good. Mm. Love me some Reese's Pieces. Or you're you heading into Thanksgiving and you're on the you're on the keto diet. It's popular this year, right? God bless you. I'm not. Um, and you walk into that Thanksgiving meal, you're like, I am going to be good. I promise myself. You're promising yourself, I am going to show restraint. I am not. And there's an hour later, you're sitting on the couch watching football, judging yourself, you know, because what did you, did you keep your promise? No because you love America. That's all right, man. Like, we don't, <laughs> we're, we throw around promises, and this is for me, too. Or I, uh, me and my wife, Ashley, we recently, recently, it's past December, we bought a house um, for our first house, and it's kind of a fixer upper and and uh, the, the reality was, is I can't afford Chip or JoJo, um, and so it's up to me. <laughs> and one day, I felt so bad about this, one day, she, she came home, and I installed a new, a new light fixture in there, and and um, I gained all this electrical knowledge through YouTube, and so it was, it was good. And I was, I was going to tell him, I wasn't going to wait till he got home. I was going to turn on the light, switch, big dramatic moment. And she says, is this safe? Did you do it right? Yeah. You know what I said next? I promise, right? I promise. You know when I promise isn't convincing? You know when it's not? When after you say I promise, you give your wife a brief instructional tutorial on how to use a fire extinguisher, and you show her... Like where the breaker box is, and you're like, turn. If hey, this goes wrong, you turn off number five, not six, not seven, five, and then all of them. All right. And I even I got these rubber rain boots. And I like flip the switch with those on there. That really didn't help any. But we throw around the words. I promise, right? We we throw them around. God doesn't, right? When He says I promise, it has something behind it all the time. God, we we throw around I promise. God doesn't throw around I promise. Um, In a more serious note, sometimes we say I promise and we have the best intentions of making those promises, but it doesn't work out that way. God doesn't work that way. God's promises are promises. When he says yes is yes is a yes, is no is a no, and we see this, because you can have any lucky guess on what happens to King Nebuchadnezzar, right? God kept his promises. Verse 28 in chapter 4, all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar, just as God said. Verse 29, 12 months later, so time passed, As the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? He was a super humble guy. Verse 31, And even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven that is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar, for your royal authority has been taken from you. And everything exactly how God said it would happen, happened. Why? Because God keeps... His promises. And this isn't just this isolated thing here. God, God, all throughout Old Testament, He is building up a track record, a perfect record. God keeps His promises and they happen. He promised to deliver the nation of Israel from Egypt. It happened. He promised them in the promised land. It happened. After they stopped being rebellious, it happened, right? It will happen. God keeps His promises. He promised send a Messiah. Christ was sent. He promised to die for our sins. He did so. God keeps his promises. Look at this, verse 36. At the same time that my sanity was restored after King Nebuchadnezzar had repented of his sin and humbled himself before God, this is him speaking, at the same time my sanity was restored, my honor and my splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and my nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne. And became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. Because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride he is able to humble, including himself. Now here's the thing. God's promise was never in doubt. God's promises for us today are never in doubt. Our reaction to them is. God's promises are God's promises. What was the only the only thing that was a variable here was how King Nebuchadnezzar was going to respond to God's promise. Was he going to respond immediately and humble himself? Or he took the hard route as he did and choose for God to humble him as God promised. God keeps his promises. as part of him being faithful. God keeps his promises no matter what. Now this truth should transform us. Because here's the thing for us. Parkway, Church, Parkway, Victoria, Lone Tree, Port Lavaca, listen for this. God has made some amazing promises for us today. God's faithfulness as he describes it here in Scripture, there's some amazing, amazing promises that He has made us. And if we truly believe them, not just simply intellectually, we believe them in such a way it changes our actions. It changes everything for us. And so what I want to do is I want to look at some some passages that many of you guys, if you have uh, grown up in church, you've been here for a while. You may have heard these passages before, but the thing is this: I want you to do your best to hear them for the first time, and ask yourself this: Do I believe this promise of God? Not just with intellectually with my words, but with my actions, no matter what. Let's dive into it. Acts chapter one is where we'll be at today. Now, I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer as you're turning to, to Acts chapter one. Some of you guys, um, some of you guys here today, you are filling the blank people. Like, show of hands whos filling the fill-in-the-blank people, all right? You, are, you love those fill-in-the-blanks, all right? Well, this is just not your Sunday, all right? I can tell you that much right now. Mike, when he preaches, does great and, and loves the fill-in-the-blanks. Me, I don't. Um, like I always, like, somehow I will get them out of order. It's just me, all right? God made me this way, don't judge, right? Um, but the thing is, is each and every Sunday, uh, me and Mike, whether I'm upstairs, he's down here, um, uh, we teach on a similar passage. Uh, we teach um, a similar focus point, but we come at it a little bit different angle. Um, and so, if you're following along, filling the blanks, you're like, "This is just not right. This isn't is." You're you. No. So, this is what we do. As parents, you ever wondered um, what we talk about in students? Kind of like this. It's the same central point coming at a different angle, and you're about to see that coming up pretty soon. So, Acts chapter one, we see. Jesus make an amazing promise. Now, He has already died on the cross, risen again three days later. He has made an amazing, amazing uh, work on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin. And He has this amazing statement that He says, a promise for us today in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you, and He's talking about the church today even, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem. And all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You'll receive my power to go and share the gospel. Now the rest of the book of Acts it actually falls out as an outline. It. They begin their work in Jerusalem, then they go to Judea, and then Samaria, and by the end of it, you get the end of Acts, and Paul is in Rome later on, the ends of the earth, at the end of them at that time. And the book of Acts just ends. It just stops. It doesn't like put a nice little bow on it, it just stops. The idea is that The ends of the earth part of that is still happening today. We're still going out to the ends of the earth. We are here in Port Lavaca in Victoria, Texas here today wherever you're listening this online and you are pretty far away away from where these words were actually said, aren't you? We are part of God giving us His power to go share the gospel to the ends of the earth. He gave us that promise today that He goes with us to share the good news. Now many of you guys in your mind right now, you have a coworker, you have a family member, you have a friend that does not know Christ. And you know what, that's, that's actually a good thing that we have inside our circle, those who don't know Christ. That's actually a good thing, we should. But I want to ask you this, do you believe Acts chapter 1 verse 8 with such power that you have a confidence to share the gospel boldly and share your testimony boldly? There's one thing of saying, yes, I believe that. Another thing of believing that with actions, even when it's not easy, even when culture says we shouldn't, do we believe God's promises? Now, he keeps on going in verse 9. He gives us more promises. Now, we're going to look at those in a second, but I want you to see this. We truly believe God's promises. We share the gospel. We share it boldly. We share it with a confidence. Not that we all have the right words. Not that we are all the biblical scholars. We share it with confidence, and he keeps on going, gives us another promise of why this is true. Verse 9, after he said this, by the way, if you ever read the Bible and you think, man, if I could just have everything together like those biblical characters, um, I have good news for you. The biblical characters are about to look um, not so smart. Okay, here in a second. So um, you're about to feel better about yourself. Here in a second, let's read. After he has said this, this profound statement, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Now, what would you assume they would go and do at this point? Go and share the good news to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, right? Yeah. Verse 10. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. <laughs> so, after this amazing statement, Jesus ascended into his amazing promise given. Jesus ascended, go and share the good news. What were they doing? They were just staring up in the sky. I, I can imagine all of them doing this just like, what should we do now? Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. Let's just wait. All right. And finally, I think God just said, we'll "Send an angel down there. Those are going to keep on staring in the sky for hours. <laughs> After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hit him. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, dressed in white, stood before them, Men in Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Good question. This same Jesus who had been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. And you see this else in Scripture. Christ promises, not suggests, he promises that one day he will come again. The question is, do we believe that? We believe that even with our actions. Because here's the thing, that is great news for us. Man, some of us walked in here, and you have had a rough week. It has been a rough year. You came here with pain and baggage. And the fact that Christ will one day come back means at some point, the pain that we have in our lives, it will come to an end if we have believed in Christ. We will one day be with Him again. That gives us hope. That's what that action looks like. That gives us hope. But it also gives us this. It gives us an urgency because He didn't say when, did He? One day I'll come back. That gives us an urgency. So that person that we know by name, you have known them for years, and you, have, you feel the, the need, rightfully so, to share the gospel with them. You're not promised tomorrow to do so. It gives us hope, but it gives us an urgency, and it gives us both of those things if we believe in God's promises. If we truly believe what He says is true. And so I want to challenge you this. When you read Scripture, and if you haven't yet, I'll encourage you to download the Parkway app. There's some reading plans on there that can help you uh, get started. But if you're already reading Scripture, or you're going to start. I promise you to do this. I encourage you to do this. When you read God's promises, read them as promises, including this one. One of the last ones we'll look at today. Romans eight, thirty-eight through 39. One of my all-time favorite passages, and I probably say that about every Bible passage, but I really mean it this time. Um, Romans 8. Thirty-eight through thirty-nine, Paul is really declaring to the church in Rome something that is so key that God promised, and it's this: Romans eight thirty-eight through thirty-nine. He says, "For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to what separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus." Our Lord. Nothing can separate us. That is an amazing promise. Because some of us walked in your day and you didn't feel that way. You had a mistake in your life and you said, There's no way that Christ can still love me. But what is declared here is a promise from God that nothing, and I mean nothing, can separate us from Christ's love. Nothing. That's an amazing promise. And that's a promise sometimes we don't feel that way because of our own shame. But Christ says, Paul says in Romans, that is not true. I, God, love you regardless. It is not earned. You did not bring anything to the table, but I love you, and nothing can separate you from my love. That's an amazing promise. That gives us peace when there is no peace around us. That gives us assurance of His love when nothing else can. That changes our actions. That nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. That changes everything. The question is, do we believe that promise of God? And the reason why we believe is this, not simply because uh, the Bible says so, although it does, and this this is a perfect, inspired book of God. We believe that because God has proven that with His track record, right? God has proven it time and time again, the people that we think of in our life, who is trustworthy, because they keep their promises again and again and again. God is the only person who keeps his promises perfectly. Maybe some of you guys walked in here today. We joked about keeping our promises earlier, but in all seriousness, some of us walked in here today, and and people in your life have not been very good about keeping their promises. You don't like to trust in promises that much. The reality is, all of us have broken promises at some point in time in our lives, but some of us, we have had so many promises broken that we don't like to trust promises even when they're from God. You see, what we do is we take our relationship with people, and this isn't a healthy thing, but we put it on God. We put the characteristics and the, the shortcomings of people and we put them on God. We think they haven't kept their promises. There's no way God will as well. I want you to hear this. God is not the same as those people, whoever they were. Even if they did care for you, even if they did love you, God is different. Praise God, He is different. God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. He promised never to leave or forsake us. One of the greatest promises He ever gave us was this. He promised to forgive us of our sins when we believe in Christ. He promised to send His only Son to die for us. He did that. He promised He would rise again three days later. He did exactly that. He promises us eternal life. We believe in Him. So some of you guys in here today, your first step is this, to believe the promise that Jesus Christ, his, his death is enough to pay the penalty for your sin. That's your first step today is believe in that promise. For all those of us here today, though, if you believe in Christ for weeks, days, years. Your next step is to believe that God is faithful. He is faithful, and we show that with our actions, and we show that with our actions, no matter what the circumstances are, because God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. I want to pray that for each and every one of us, guys, as we head into worship, guys. By your heads me. Dear Lord, God, I thank you so, so much that you are a promise maker and a promise keeper, Lord. You are faithful. God, you promised to send your one and only son to die for us, Lord, and I thank you so, so very much for that. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that he died the penalty, he paid the penalty for our sin, dying on the cross, raising him three days later so we can have a a new life in him now and for eternity. God, I pray that anyone at any location, Port Lavaca, Lone Tree, Victoria, that walked in here today not believing in that promise, they may believe in that today. Maybe mark that belief in him, the simple prayer dear Lord, I am broken. I am a sinner, Lord. And I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin. God, I thank You so much for anyone who believed in You today. God, I pray for and challenge the saints, those who believed in You, myself included, God. May we trust in Your promises. May we live a life that shows that You are faithful, God. That we not put the, the shortcomings of man on you, Lord. You are perfect. You are faithful. That is unquestionable, God. I pray we may live a life like that today, Lord. And God, as we continue on, that we trust in your promises, may we, we ask ourselves, which promises of you, of yours are we not believing in today with our lives, Lord? Praise for each and every one of us. It's Christ in my prayer. Amen.